KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect Radio Show and Podcast, featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate Architectural, this is Tom Dioro. Thank you, Shay. For our guest today, we want to welcome Andrew Young, architect and co-founder and CEO of Young and Borlick Architects Incorporated, a full-service firm with a personal approach. We will be discussing the benefits of creating productive working relationships, leading to the smoothest possible building process. Hello and welcome, Andrew. We're honored for you to be here today. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Andrew, when do you when do you think you began your love of architecture? Well, Tom, I can't say that I really do love it. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> okay. No, no. Uh, I I, I think love the honesty. <laughs> when I when I uh, trace it back, I uh, my father was uh, not only a minister, but he his side love was a passion for woodworking, making furniture, and so I grew up as a young child actually in the woodshop watching and uh, have an appreciation for putting things together with wood. Uh, as I progressed in life, I actually chose first to work in construction, thinking that that was where I wanted to end up. And through the process of that, became introduced to a, an architectural firm in uh, Portola Valley, California, uh, William Churchill and Associates, and uh, met at that point with a, a whole group of architects that I spent uh, the, was really my start to, to doing architecture. Well, yes. Yeah, so, uh, did it uh, strike you as? Uh, uh, I'm curious. With the, uh, you're, you didn't really love it at first. You kind of kind of navigated your way, or you fell into it, or a little bit of both. You know, it was. I at first actually approached the architectural firm in in wondering if they had another contractor they might refer to me, and the the principal. William Churchill said to me at the time, no, but we need some help here in the office. Would you be interested in doing architecture? And uh, so I, at that point, had always been good with art and with math and the combination in architecture. Uh, it just took off. And that was when I was probably 17 years old. And I've been doing it uh, now, boy, 36 years, 37 years. 30, wow, that's 36 years from the time you are a teenager and... Uh, how long did you stay with Churchill? Was it to... So Churchill, I ended up actually, they, at the time, he employed several other architects that are prom- uh, currently good, good colleagues and friends of mine, Ed Bruce, John Jang, Chris Ridgway, Steve Ogborn, but he had a series of other uh, junior architects working in his firm that I got to know, and they all sort of took me under their wing and, uh, and, and trained me. And so for the next uh, series of summers through my schooling, I would come back and intern with them over the summership, and uh, and eventually, upon completing uh, architecture at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, I uh, went out on my own. Nice. Speaking of mentorship, um, do you see mentorship going on in architecture now, or have you recently, or is it? Uh... 
You know, we've been we've been blessed over the years with a lot of great support, and and we have internships for college students over the summers, and we've had probably for the last 25 years we've we've employed. Uh, people that are attending either Berkeley or Cal Poly or some of the West West Valley College in in providing work for them over the summer months and uh, and we've been lucky that many of those internships have turned into repeat internships and ultimately into employees once they finish their program so we've we've mentored several people through and are now um, really great contributors to our office. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go back to uh, Cal Poly. I have a special affinity for Cal Poly. I, I've I've never met someone who came from Cal Poly that I didn't like, specifically architecture, engineering, or in construction. Um, what is it about Cal Poly that, uh, in my opinion, I think that it's really quite uh, practical, hands-on, and actually show you how to do it as opposed to theory? Maybe I'm incorrect, or can you, can you elaborate a bit on about the school and why it kind of has that reputation. Yeah, no, Tom. So. I, I think that's exactly right. In in the in the employees that we interview, we find that a lot of the the, the candidates that come from Cal Poly are well equipped to immediately sort of hit the ground running. Uh, they have a great uh, sort of foundation with the abilities to render construction drawings and design for practical, immediate applications. Uh, I think the Berkeley is a fantastic school as well. I think they there's more sort of uh, theory behind the design. And at for Berkeley? The, at Berkeley. Okay. For the focus of work that we do, primarily residential, custom residential work uh, with some commercial, we find that uh, the Cal Poly students, are a, they're well equipped with the AutoCAD programs, the SketchUp, the 3D programs. So to immediately make use, uh, they're well-rounded, um, and I think Cal Poly prided itself on that, uh, producing uh, a class of uh, graduates that could actually, was very employable. Great, and as far as you know, it's still... They're still doing that. They're still, that's, that's great. And, you know, custom residential, did you start in architecture with residential or commercial? How, what, what facet of the, the building industry did you... Recall? Can you recall? <laughs> okay. Well, actually, I mean, I mean it's a long time ago. <laughs> okay. No, the uh, actually my my first uh, my first project was a home I did for my sister and brother-in-law, and I'd actually designed the house as a third-year student in in a design course, and then in my fifth year, I did the working drawings for the house for a building permit application upon. Graduating from Cal Poly, we submitted the plans to the County of San Mateo and uh, pulled the permits. And then I, as a uh, very young and inexperienced architect out of school, broke. I ended up <laughs> I ended up uh, helping build that house. And uh, and through the course of building that project, a lot of our, uh, the contractors and subcontractors would say, "Oh, you're an architect. Do you do plans?" And so I had never actually worked for anybody coming out of school. I immediately went into doing my own, my own projects. And uh, is that right? Right out of school. Right I got a third-year student already designing that. See, there's another plug for Cal Poly. I know I'm going to get some emails from some other schools that aren't, maybe not so uh, 
way off the school. But as a third-year student, you did this. Yeah, as a third-year okay. student, I did the plans, and then as a fifth-year student, we did the uh, construction documents. You know, and, and then Cal Poly was was great in that regard, and that it allowed us to choose our own pro, uh, projects, so that uh, that you could either do the the standard project that the professor had, or you could choose a project of your own selection, and uh, that's what I chose to do. Did that also uh, spark your uh, your direction for residential architecture? That that okay. very much did. Okay. So at that time, there was it was the late sort of the late '80s. So there was sort of the boom years of the late '80s. There's a lot of building going on. Uh, we've experienced many waves of uh, boom and then bust, but that was one. And so there was a, a lot of. I immediately got uh, all kinds of requests for work from contractors that I I started to meet, and uh, I found myself quite overwhelmed, and which led in part to my um, going back to my college roommate, Steve Borlick, who is now my partner for almost 30 years, and uh, seeing if he wanted to join me on this new quest. And what was his response? Well, at first it was, uh, uh, let me think about it. Really? And uh, I think about six months later I tried again, and he at the time was working successfully with a WSJ, a, a development firm, and so every time I offered him something to join me, they had sort of up the ante, and uh, I think he got a raise, and then he got a company car, and then he got a, a gas card. So and I what did you offer? I didn't have much to offer. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, maybe as, as, uh, potentially scrape together a few nickels and, and make a living at this profession. Um, but eventually he did break down and uh, decided to join me, and so we opened up our first office together down on High Street in Palo Alto. And this was what year, do you recall? Boy, this would have been about uh, 80, 88, 1988. Okay. Yeah. So you opened in high school, was a single, small space? It was uh, It was about as big as this booth we're sitting oh, in, Tom. Okay. It, well. <laughs> no, it, it, was a, it was a very small, uh, we, we had one office, and, and the, the funny thing is, actually, we, we had the old archaic drafting tables, because when we first started off, everything was done by hand, um, still pencil on vellum. And mm-hmm. so we had our two drafting tables facing one another. Um, those two drafting tables are still with us, um, though we've, we've separated a little bit more now with a little space in between us. But uh, we've, we've spent the majority of our careers together facing each other across our drafting tables. <laughs> well, that's a great testament to your friendship as well. It's one, one of my best friendships ever in my life, that's absolutely. Yes, yeah. we, should, we all should strive for that. Uh, are those tables? No, they're still functional as well. They're not just. They still, are. They're, okay. You know, it's interesting. So it was probably back in the mid to late '90s that we made the transition to using AutoCAD um, computer-aided drafting for our work. Were you reluctant, or were you really excited about? Uh... Well, you know, it's funny when we had our first computers. When we first opened up, it was an old IBM green screen DOS machine and and so you know when the the innovations of AutoCAD drafting came out uh, with AutoCAD R14 I believe was the first uh, was the first uh, iteration iteration of yeah. it uh, we we sort of started it but uh, at that time we were looking at hiring candidates from universities that actually had used that in their uh, in their training so it, it was helpful to have our staff actually train us how to use AutoCAD um, and as time progressed, we took coures. Um, you know there's been lots of uh, 
upgrades to the software over the years, and each every few years we'll upgrade the whole system and then take the entire office into a, a seminar, a, a workshop to get upgraded to the new system Great. software. You mentioned your staff, so your staff must uh, in some ways sometimes be uh, more astute or agri- aware of how to use technology. Or do you, you hire them on that basis? You know, it's a, it's interesting. I we're we're again very lucky with the people we have in our office. There's uh, pretty much everybody comes in with a great proficiency in AutoCAD, and then strengths in other areas. Um, some are good with the 3D SketchUp or other animation programs, which are extremely helpful in helping clients visualize architecture. Um, others have some construction background, some interior design background, uh, and and some are very good people. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in terms of dealing with clients and contractors and city submittals, and we have always had the philosophy of of uh, providing an environment where people can blossom and grow their careers in our office space. So there's no ceiling as to how far one can progress, and we've just enjoyed watching the staff we've had gain experience in all aspects to architecture. I mean, when I look at my day, mm-hmm. maybe 15% of my day is actually doing architecture, you know, actually sitting with a and designing, having a good old time designing, <laughs> which is what we, we all sort of got into this, pro, <laughs> this profession to do in the first place. But with the challenges of architecture in the Bay Area, and I'm sure everywhere, but I think more so somewhat in this, uh, in this environment that we're in the Bay Area. There's so much more that goes to uh, into finishing an architectural project with the uh, coordination of uh, all the various consultants, clients' expectations, city jurisdictional review controls, that the skill set that we need of people successfully in the office goes beyond just the ability to, to, to do AutoCAD rendering or, or you know, produce plan sets. Yeah, so it sounds like you have a, a culture. I mean, it if is. You, if you, how would you describe? If you've, you've you've done a great job uh, about doing a description of the culture, but can you get into a little bit more of the culture of your office and why uh, people are so happy about uh, working with you? And I say that only because I've, I've gone uh, seen your website and seen testimonials, and I was going to print some of them just so I can use them for uh, our interview, and it would have taken up ten, twelve pages. <laughs> so I said, way. "Oh boy, this is some. This is really important." So, wh- what what is it about your culture that lends to um, that sort of personal relationship it sounds like you have with your clients. Well, you know, it's interesting. So my, my father was a minister. My mother was a nurse. My older sister is a nurse. And um, there, I think there's there's been in my family's past an, a desire to reach out and help people. I, I, I can't take um, I can't take medical situations. I'm, I'm, I'm the... <laughs> I get too queasy, but so I find a lot of satisfaction in actually helping people discover living environments for themselves, and I think that's a core part of our philosophy. Our clientele ranges from people that are doing simple house remodels, a a, a kitchen or a bathroom addition, all the way through uh, brand new estate homes in Atherton that might have a main house and multiple accessory structures, you know basements with uh, full home theaters, recreational rooms, gymnasiums. So the, the, the whole range is quite wide in terms of the scale of projects as well as the individual client expectations for their projects. But ultimately, 
we're designing environments for their home living uh, with their families. Yeah. And so it becomes a very personal experience and each each client has their own very unique and personal tastes, constraints, budgets, um, you know, wishes and expectations for their home. And so we've become very good at, uh, at sort of tailoring our architectural service to very uniquely meet our clients' individual needs. Excellent. You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Andrew, co-founder and CEO of Young and Borlick Architects here in Palo Alto, California. And now a PSA from the Make It Right Foundation. Founded by Brad Pitt in 2007, Make It Right started as a catalyst for rebuilding New Orleans' Lower Ninth Ward, a neighborhood devastated by Hurricane Katrina. Today, Make It Right builds healthy homes, other kinds of buildings, and communities for people in need nationwide, from Newark, New Jersey to Montana's Fort Peck Indian Reservation. All Make It Right projects comply with the highest standards of green building. If you'd like to donate, visit makeitright.org and stay tuned for The Modern Architect where you'll learn more about green building architecture in the Bay Area. On, this, on the topic, Andrew, of interesting or challenging projects, is there any recently that have been, well, I would think all of them are interesting. I'm making on that assumptions, whether it's correct or not, I don't know. But how about a challenging project that uh, from the beginning to the end where you could sit back and say, wow, that was amazing, and everyone else feels the same way? Is there any project in particular that you're at liberty to, to share with us? You know, it, Tom, there's, I think, in this in this day and age, I am amazed at the fact that there is very rarely an easy project to do anymore. Um, every single project we do is challenging, and it's you know, and it's not necessarily because of the architecture for the project, as much as it is the whole range of sort of jurisdictional oversight and review boards that we need to get through. You know, Palo Alto, our downtown office was in, in, in Palo Alto for close to 27 years. We've just moved recently to Los Altos. Uh, but that is, as an example, Palo Alto is probably one of the most uh, uh, sort of review-intensive building departments we've ever worked with. You know, you've, got, right? you've got planning department, building department, public works, um, utilities, uh, fire, green building, uh, urban forestry. So besides all the various sort of departments you need to get through, the architecture of what we do in the, in the downtown, for instance, with there's so much design review with neighborhood interaction and, and um, input on any new home or basic or major remodel that you do. So you're satisfying not only the client's expectations and wishes and all the various departments, but you're also opening your projects up to to the public for their review and input. I think it's a challenging one recently. <clears throat> we did a um, a remodel to an Eichler, uh, and it's actually a new home. In, in an Eichler intensive area on Lewis Road and it was right across the street from the Eichler Swim and Country Club mm-hmm. and our client had wanted a two-story home it was also in the floodplain and so the whole house the existing house could not have been rebuilt in the configuration that it was it needed to be lifted about three feet out of the ground 
But so we we try to listen as best we could to our our clients' expectations and desires for their home, and we submitted the plans, and it was posted on site, and we all of a sudden were inundated. I think there was over 300. Uh, it was the only project I've ever had in my entire career that had so much public response from all the the, the members of the Eichler Summit Country Club that felt that they really were entitled to express an opinion on the home we were doing. And there were blogs and there were newspaper clippings and there was, uh, you know, so they, we, we needed to not only address our clients' expectations but modify the entire design approach to satisfy the, the neighborhood as well, which New, usually it's within the neighbors within a 500 foot radius we had neighbors or people expressing concerns that lived seven miles away and <laughs> oh my God. Wow. so so uh anyway that was interesting but you know that's the sort of that's the sort of process we find ourselves needing to go through and clients often wonder well why do i need to do that well it's uh, you know it's we're not we're at the mercy of the other people beyond just our own personal expectations. Yeah, so you, you really have to be quite dynamic to deal with all, not just the, the, there's so many facets to this whole process from getting from obviously a sketch or an idea or a sketch to actual completion. That is, uh, I don't want to even say secondary because that's not correct, true, but it just, it just sounds like... There's so many factors, and each one, it's, am I correct, it is different. Absolutely. Okay. You know, and, and Tom, the interesting thing, I think, when I started our career, you could get a house built on perhaps six or seven pages of plans. And, and now we're looking at sets that are 42 to 60 pages with, with just so much detail in them. And it's a product, I think it, it takes almost as long now to get a set of plants approved to build as it does to actually build the place. We've done a few in downtown Palo Alto through all the reviews. It takes about seven months to, to get all the approvals through the city, and it takes about seven months to build. And, and that's, it's an educational thing for us to share with our clients as to how long these things take. And I think uh, that's the... That's the single greatest challenge I face personally right now is, is uh, setting clients' expectations to understand the amount of time things take to get done. And uh, not that we're slow, but it's just a, a process of satisfying so many different groups. I think when you, when you finally end your set of plans, it's probably been looked at by you know, 35, 50 people have reviewed and, and passed comment on your documents. You know, so beyond actually the approvals, you're looking then at also the finances. And now with the influx, as you had expressed your uh, interest in the sustainable building, uh, all the just the, the huge variety of materials and, and uh, products online that you need to incorporate into our architecture now for energy and sustainable building, there's that whole also another layer of, of uh, sort of design that goes into each and every project. So seven months, you're looking at 14 months, 14, even maybe 20 months, 30 to 30, 35 to 50 people before the completion of the project, and yet you still have as many, I'm going to go back to this testimonials, you still have people's testimonials, and they are, they are um, unique, each one is unique, they all have something or a, a facet I noticed in their testimonial to what they found, what was so, um, made the process easier we've we've been we have been blessed with uh, just wonderful clients you know and i i 
I find great satisfaction, I think, in the part of my daily job that clients end up being, in many cases, dear friends for years to come. Um, I, was, I was privileged to be invited back to a house of a client we just finished in Atherton and um, a beautiful major addition and remodel to their home. And they had a, a party with, I think, close to 100 people. Mm-hmm. But to actually see one of our homes finished, complete, and actually fully occupied and people, and how well it worked is an entertaining space. And, uh, you know, the clients were just deeply grateful to what our team and all our consultants had done in generating just a beautiful home. And, and that's when you realize that what you do touches people's lives on a very personal level. And I think that's an area that I get the greatest satisfaction from when it's done. Terrific. Are there any renowned or uh, famous, I guess, so to speak, projects you've worked on that, uh, that we, we're, we can go around town and see and say, yeah, Andrew and Steve <laughs> did that one. Are there any... There's, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of homes uh, spotted throughout the Bay Area, and uh, some can v- be very much appreciated from the street. And I'd, uh, I'd be happy to send you a list of, of homes you could drive by and see on a weekend. Um, you know, as far as love to. as an as an example, Jeffrey's Hamburgers in downtown okay, Menlo yeah. Park, a pitch for them. Um, that was a, a fun old haunt of mine when I was growing up. It was Ken's House of Pancakes, and I think three other restaurants went through there. And uh, then I was approached by uh, Serge Karanoff to do a, a restaurant for him. He had one. It was uh, the second in the chain. And uh, so that's that's a place I enjoy just going and seeing uh, how it's filled with, with customers and enjoying our our interior architectural space. But um, other than that, you know, there's there's a few um, there's a few we do a lot of tenant TIs. We did actually on the campus here in Stanford, the Stanford Barn. There was the old Wells Fargo building, and that yeah. was converted to. Uh, it was for the Stan- Stanford medical staff. They expanded into that building. Oh, so yeah, so the, you did that. Okay. We had the privilege oh, no, of working great with Stanford campus. I love that old yeah, building. That's great. You, yeah. you know, wherever you go for there, uh, well, at least I do. I know I always stay stay to look around. I'm glad to know that you, yeah. you were... Uh, you guys were the guy. Yeah, no, that was... And, and, and presently, we actually have a uh, house on campus in, in sort of uh, one of your questions about complexity and challenge and, and enjoyment. We've, uh, we've got a residential project for a professor here on campus, uh, two professors here on campus, and uh, it's an old Burge Clark uh, home. In fact, Burge Clark lived in the house, and uh, he's a famous architect throughout Palo Alto, done a lot of the government buildings. But it's, uh, it's almost 100 years old. It was built in 1926, and so part of our review process for that was not only through the Stanford campus, with the Department of uh, faculty housing to getting all their approvals and they have the Stanford Department of History with uh, Laura Jones uh, was also then getting it through the County of Santa Clara Building Department and you're looking at a house that's uh, almost 100 years old is dilapidated, run down, dry rotted um, and yet from a historical perspective we're supposed to maintain, protect and uh, enhance the structure. So you're sort of fighting with old, outdated building systems, you know, the, 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 it doesn't meet current today's current earthquake standards. Uh, so the whole house needed to be retrofitted structurally, both in the foundation, the framing, the shear walls and seismic elements. Um, and then, you know, a lot of charming, beautiful old woodwork windows, but uh, they have a high contamination of lead in the paint. So you're fighting with the 
ethical dilemma of removing historical windows to replace with new units, um, all the while trying to keep the house within certain thresholds, uh, both by Stanford and, and County of Santa Clara, as to how much you can uh, modify a home before it entirely needs to be brought up to code. So historic, do you work on a historic, that's a historic project? Is it's it, a historical okay, home. Do you work on other historic projects, or are you, you can, would you like to, or do you? We, we've done okay. several, you know, we've been lucky, we've had, uh, we've, we've been working with uh, one, uh, a very thoughtful interior designer developer in, in Stanford, in the, she, she graduated from Stanford, Lindsay Chambers. And uh, we, we're doing homes for her in Palo Alto, several of which have been historical, that we've done historical restoration with. And to have a client that appreciates the expense and time and care that it takes to restore old buildings, um, she's, she's been behind us and with us the entire way in, uh, in really investing to, to make the final product something really uniquely real. And, you know, basically taking a hundred-year-old structure and hopefully getting another hundred years from it. Do you, do you work with ADA-specific projects as well? So, you know, that, that varies. We, we, we do a lot of uh, tenant improvement work, which are entirely ADA upgrades. And uh, this actually stemmed from my partner Steve's uh, previous work with WHJ. They had a lot of commercial space that had to be brought up to current ADA standards. And so we, a lot of our earlier work had been taking assessments of these buildings and then uh, developing plans to get their pathways, access, bathrooms, interior circulation, all up to ADA standards. Do, do, you, read, uh, do you read architectural or design magazines or do you get your ideas from any podcasts or other architects or uh, do you kind of just check out when it, when it's uh, over and uh, play golf, swim, <laughs> ride horses, bicycle, well, yeah. wrestle, <laughs> you rugby? Know, uh, rugby, rugby, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I miss those days. No, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I have such little time, it seems, with a wife and two, two kids. Uh, once I leave the office, and, you know, you're never done with architecture. You can always keep on going, so it's something that... Uh, even though you leave the office, it sticks with you with emails and things at night. I, I used to read a lot of uh, architectural magazines and publications, but and we, we still take them into our office uh, in terms of it's helpful to give to clients magazines to look through and identify f images and features that they like and helping un and clients understand their taste. Um, you know, when, you, when you're embarking upon doing a new house, there's literally thousands of decisions that need to be made. Now with everything online, you know, with the with the uh, founding and development of, of, of House and Pinterest, clients can actually go online and, and just surf for all kinds of imagery. And we encourage clients to put that sort of imagery together, sort of working on a collective photo album of things they'd like to see both in, in from the exterior as well as each individual space within the home. Do you, do you also consider the type of neighborhood you're working in when a client comes to you and says, um, Andrew, Steve, this is what I really like, and they get you pictures. Do you have to consider, especially Palo Alto, what kind of neighborhood they're in and whether or not that house would be um, acceptable? Y yeah. Okay. So, you know, Tom, on the in terms of the, the architecture, in many cities... 
uh, we take our inspiration from the neighborhood context. And in, in many of the cities in Palo Alto, it's highly encouraged that your design is reflective of the, uh, the character, mass, and scale of the neighboring homes. And so a big part of our work is uh, surveying existing homes and structures and blending the new architecture so that it, 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 it doesn't duplicate, but that it, it integrates and balances well with the, the architecture on the street. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU, Stanford 90.1 FM. Our guest is Andrew Young, architect, co-founder, and CEO of Young and Borlick Architects in Palo Alto. Uh, Andrew, what have you found to be kind of the most effective way of presenting a project once you've considered the neighborhood and the client's uh, wishes and then how to present it. Uh, do you I think, of course, visually, but is there a kind of a sit-down, you, you, you eat with them, you invite them for coffee? So, uh, how, how do you go about introducing your, uh, your projects once they've kind of given you an idea of what they're looking for? You know, Tom, that actually takes me back to the, the college days when I think of that, that question. Um, because there was this, uh, there was a, a project goal and objective and I was, I've always sort of been a loner and a rebel myself, but I, I, would, I would work outside of lab at home and, uh, and you, whatever duration you had, a couple of weeks to develop a project. Uh, took great enthusiasm and excitement. That's really the core of what I, I wanted in architecture to begin with, was the thrill of a design in taking all of the parameters and requirements the, the client would have some come to us with a very short wish list of what they want. Others come with a detailed 12-page uh, <laughs> listing of all the features and elements they want in their home. But it's taking that whole list, thinking about it, and then creating a design that is responsive not only to the site, to the you know the constraints, physical constraints of the site, the size, the slope, the topography, the trees, the solar orientation, and all of that but also all of the things they want in their home. And then you balance that with the budget um, and with their preferred style and taste. So I find that my most enjoyable time of architecture is to come in on a Saturday and a Sunday and when there's no phones, no staff, no distractions, and just crank out a design. And it's it's for me, it's still flimsy, you know, pen on flimsy, papers. Even know. now? Even right now. now. That's, okay. that's how I okay. do it. And next know, year? Next okay, year. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, and you, you, I, I find that the free flow of my brain to my hand to the pen is much, uh, is much smoother and fluid than it would be doing it in, in AutoCAD. I, I, I do find that at a certain point, I, so I'll sketch and, and sketch up a whole design, but when I've got something nailed down that I know works and I love it, then I will hand it off to our staff to enter into AutoCAD and get some real rigid controls on it. You know, I like that, the thrill of design. I haven't heard that before. But that yeah. is that new or no? You really? I still get okay. that. You know, okay. maybe maybe five percent of my entire career is that thrill of the design. Okay, so you didn't start off loving it, but you get a thrill. I do get a. There thrill There is a from difference that. between love and a thrill. I go, oh, you know, and, and it's it's funny because uh, you know then then is the presentation, which was one of your uh, questions. How do you present that to your client? Yeah. Um, the one I did recently is a, a great new house in, in Menlo Park, two stories with a full basement. And I'd gone through this whole process, and one of your other questions had been, you know, the integration of landscape into your architecture. Well, I, I think landscape is such an important part of, of architecture that I married a landscape architect. <laughs> <laughs> Maury, yeah. And uh, 
So she, she has rubbed off on me over the years and uh, really softened my edges. And I think, you know, no architecture is complete without a full bearing on, on how this piece fits on the property. And uh, so this recent house we did in Menlo Park, I just really had a, had a ball. You know, not only designing the three stories of the house, but also the site design with pool and pathways, patios, covered seating areas. Um, and then, you know, splash a little color on the whole thing. And, uh, and by the time I was done, I had a beautiful presentation. The, the clients came in on a Sunday evening. And uh, it's fun just unveiling it for the first time because they've had their dreams and their thoughts for so long. And for the first time, you can show it to them on paper in front of them. And, uh, Do they get it? Do they? some of them just kind of bowl over, almost like seeing a new birth? In this case, these clients just said, that's exactly it. I love it. And I said, no, no come on, you've got to have something to say. <laughs> no, no, that's it. <laughs> I mean, we, we are done in design yeah. in one round. I have had wow. clients that will take literally... 25, 30 rounds of design to get them happy. And, and sometimes clients are never happy. You know, it's, it's the, we try and find that, that solution. I, I mean, eventually they do get it. But, but I think some clients have a harder time visualizing and understanding what they want than others. Yeah. Um, you so know, how do you deal with that? If they don't have a, of course, not everyone has the vision. How do you deal with that? Or do you know early on that, look, I'm, I don't think they're going to be able to see it. So I'm really going to have to get deep into this so that they, they can they can conceptualize even their own idea it very good question and that's the you know it's hard for us in terms of generating proposals upon a first meeting to ask a question of the clients well how well do you understand what you want and how oh. how, 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 how do you both agree get out now <laughs> that's what we're fighting <laughs> you know and and because uh, a lot of my job is actually psychotherapy you know because the uh, the client the husband and wife don't always get along or see eye to eye on points <laughs> and yet our job is to keep them both happy you know and uh, and that's not always an easy task but i think with the help of some of the you know the 3d work that I'd mentioned earlier with some of our staff coming out doing SketchUp or 3D Studio Viz or some of the other great software that's out there, you can actually create a movie and walk clients through their new home. And depending on how much time and money they want to throw into the model, you can get photorealistic imagery of what that house is going to look like. And on many of our higher-end projects, we'll do that both internal and external 3D images and movies so that wow. you can actually fly around the house and see what it's going to look like. You know, we used to, when we got out of college, it was building physical cardboard models. And um, those are great. You burn your fingers a lot with hot glue. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and, and they take a lot of time. So and, you need to be a physician in addition to a psychotherapist. You do. Yeah, you do, to, exactly. Yeah. You know, okay. and there's always that fear of you cutting yourself with, the, with an exacto blade. But... Uh, but, you know, and you're limited on those if you want to change it. Oh, boy, you know, you're very limited. You start all over again. But, but you know, the 3D AutoCAD um, and, and 3D visualization tools are immensely flexible. Are they pretty accurate? I mean, oh, I've seen them, so I can, I'm asking you just for, I'm not sure which Amazingly accurate. You know, and in fact, now we, we outsource some of our work to China where, the, where it's just it's much, much more cost effective in generating uh, really high-end 3D resolutions. But you can drop them into a photograph of an existing site. So you take a photograph of their house, okay. the client's home, from, 
from across the street. Existing? With, with, yeah, existing okay. house within the context of all the trees, the sidewalk, curbs, gutters, you know, cars on the street, your neighbors' sure. homes, and actually drop in their new home onto that view. So you can pretty much show a client a 3D realistic presentation as if the house was built. Um, and, you know, you can do that for multiple views around the house, and it just helps. Aerial as well? Aerial okay. as well, yeah. So you've and got the whole aerial view? Oh, yeah, right. and it, it's extremely, that's an extremely helpful tool, you know, and uh, I, I think it's always, you know, it's, it's much more environmentally sensitive to, and, and more cost-effective to spend time making modifications to design in, in, in drawing form than it is in the actual built form. Because the worst thing is when the house is under construction and the client realizes, oh boy, why didn't I do this? And you're, you know, you're already in rough framing and you're, you're looking at remodeling I'm the house. I'm laughing, but yeah, I know it's not fun. It's not. It's yeah. a painful, it's a painful realization to hit. And so we try and avoid that as, as often as we can. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. That's how large of a component is sustainability in this process as well as not just visualizing uh, what, what their, their home or business would be. How large of a component is it in your practice? Where do you see it going, say, even in the next five or ten years? Well, you know, sustainability is a, is a fantastic new concern for building. Um, you know, that the amount of energy materials that are, are expended in, in the built environment. And we're only catching up as a society in areas of understanding how we can make homes and structures more energy efficient, environmentally sensitive. You know, and sustainability for me, it's interesting. We actually, so as a firm, we, we got the award in, uh, in Atherton in 2010 for the, the most green home built that year. Is that right? Oh, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> Post-graduations, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, But does that set a standard for other projects as well? It does, you, you know, okay. and, and, and it was very much a product of not, not only us. It was very much a product of uh, the builder and the owner's desire to, to support you know, to support those strategies. But when I when we got that, I realized, you know, the green building took over in the Bay Area and everything, everybody wanted to go green. What, what it made me realize is we've been doing green for a very long time. Yeah, I was going to say that. Noticed on your, your side and some of the research, it says it, uh, just from the, your previous projects, I think you're already there. Yeah, yeah. and I, I mean, I think a lot of, I, I, there's a lot of fantastic architects in the Bay Area, and as a design community, we've been doing it for a long time, uh, you know, I, as, as long as we've all been doing architecture. You know, you design a home to orient to the sun, natural lighting, sensitive to the trees placements, you know, so a lot of the things in sustainable building, we've actually been doing for a long time before it even became green, or was recognized as such. But, you know, I think sustainability on another number of levels, you know, you're looking now at architecture in the Bay Area that's 100 years old, how long do buildings last? And so we're trying to not only design homes for the green strategies of, you know, of a low carbon footprint, high energy efficiency with all the solar panels, sustainable building products and so forth, but also ones that will weather the test of time, both in their sustainability from a structural standpoint as well as their uh, sustainability in the, the public perception of use. You know, people's tastes and desires change. And so when we're looking at a house for a new client, we're not only looking at their immediate needs or wants and mm -hmm. expectations for a house, but what would the market as a whole want in a new home? 
you know, you've got to balance those two requirements. If you were to sell this house in five years, what would the market want to see? Because I see homes that are built 15 years ago being torn down now by a new owner because they, they just didn't meet their expectations. And what a waste of environmentally materials and time and energy and all that. Um, so we're looking at building places that last, hopefully, for the next 100 years. Yeah, so you're, you're considering not just what the client's asking of you, but you're considering, the, obviously, what we talked about, the neighborhood, um, the community, uh, 5, 10, 15, and 100 years. So you right. actually have a vision of 100 years, almost on every project. You know, is that, it's am, funny. Is, I, 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 you know, I'm, often, I'm often asked by clients, well, how long is this going to last? You know, and... and uh, just, you know, you go to through Europe, and you, one of your other questions have been uh, areas that inspire you. You know, you go through Italy and, and Greece and other areas in Europe, and you see homes that are, uh, you know, you see architecture that is centuries old and how they've withstood the test of time. Um, obviously, in stone, it's, it's a difference than in wood. Um, that most of our, our architecture, there's a combination of steel but predominantly wood structures. There's, a, there's only a certain lifespan with uh, wooden structures, but I figure it's about 100 years. We, we did a, um, an 1840 farmhouse in, in Petaluma. What year, 1840? 18, 1840. Oh, nice. was a beautiful old farmhouse that we did in, in Petaluma on 200 acres that was absolutely dilapidated when we took it over. It was uh, everything. I mean, there was <laughs> birds had overtaken it, and <laughs> the, the redwood siding was rotting, and, and it was in a just... But again, we had a client who had a very keen interest in salvaging and saving and restoring that house to its original grandeur. And um, in fact, it's funny, one of the previous owner's uh, grandchildren came across the plans and came into my office and had pictures back from the early 1900s of his family in that home and we shared with them all the plans that we had done and it was just uh, it was touching for them to see it re revitalized but in that scenario we're looking at uh, you know historically restoring a, a, a very 160 170 yeah. year old 1840 yeah 1840 1840 and that's in Petaluma that's in Petaluma and you'll yeah. send the address there I will okay. I will absolutely <laughs> okay. in fact you'd love to have you Tom <laughs> that's great oh now, you do you have a, a lot the clients that you work with as well what what typically do they what emotional reaction do they usually do or say when they see the completed project? I know I'm generalizing there, but is there just kind of this, you look at their face and they're speechless, or do they say, oh, well, I thought this was going to be that, or what, what, what kind of emotion are you kind of going for, if there is one? I'm I'm going for any emotion that's not just upset. <laughs> <laughs> and we, you know, I, I think we've been lucky. We haven't had uh, we haven't had. I can't think that we've really had any extremely upset clients over the years. Um, I mean, it, it, it's a very it's a very you know with some clients you're looking at a three-year time expenditure from when they start with us to when they're finished with their whole project and they're moved in and. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a it's not for the faint of heart, you know. We yeah. have uh, for sure. Sorry, it's a very for sure. Um, this is the Modern Architect KZSU ninety point one FM Stanford. We're talking today with Andrew Young, architect, co-founder, and CEO of Young and Borlick Architects in Palo Alto. Do you envision uh, how you can improve a space just walking around or driving around or hiking, biking? Um, 
just in throughout the neighborhood or any of the, the towns you visited, you've gone to Europe, do you see like, aha, I can bring this to this project or I think these clients will love this? Is that, does, does that ever, do they ever cross-pollinate uh, those you thoughts? Know, I, I, it's funny how, you know, design is a process whereby you start, you start a project and it doesn't really ever leave your subconscious thinking. So oftentimes, at the wow! It doesn't leave your it, subconscious thinking. It doesn't. Oh. It's, it's always back there somewhere, and it, it's sometimes in the shower or late at night. <laughs> you know, fast asleep, I'll wake up, and that's the solution. You know, and it, it, it's been perplexing me, but your mind still sort of works like a three-dimensional puzzle. It, it's working on it um, when you're not even aware of it. And so I will, in answer to your question, I can drive by and see an inspiration of something that, oh my gosh, that would be, that's the solution. And it could be a simple, uh, uh, you know, in many cases, you're trying to not only get the client's wishes in a floor plan space, but then working with height restrictions, existing conditions, whatever it might be, figure the outside sculptural finished product, you know, integrating roof lines and, and floor lines. And, and so... You know, solutions come at the oddest of times sometimes for me. Yeah. How is your relationship with, with Steve? Do you guys share it too? Do you call him at three in the morning? Or, <laughs> or, or, or how does it... Well, you know, when we started out, Steve and I used to do uh, a lot more together than we do now. But uh, we, we've both, I actually drive to work now and I'll drive past our house and go, boy, that's, that's a beautiful house. Hey, wait a second, our sign's on that. And realize that it's my partner's project. Um, and we have two others in the office that bring in work. So I, oh, that's we, awesome. That's awesome. It, it, yeah. You know, it is great because we uh, we don't all know what we're each of us is doing at all times. But when I desperately need help on something, um, and I think this sets us apart from a lot of other architects that I know, in that um, I've got a clone of myself and vice versa for him, someone that uh, I can turn to if I'm stuck, you know, because oftentimes with design, you, you hit a wall, a brick wall, where you just can't figure a solution, and you share it with your partner, and all of a sudden, uh, a fresh set of eyes on it, and it opens up to a solution that you hadn't been thinking about. And I think some of our best work has been where we've each contributed to each other's solutions, and uh, on many jobs, still will do that. Yeah. Now, I take it, with the, now you, I noticed you said you saw a, a home, you said, that's beautiful, and it was Steve's. Right. Is there a theme of your design that kind of connects you that way? Um, you know, interesting. I People have asked us that, you know, what style of architecture do you like to yeah. do? Um, and I, I find there are, there's, a, there's definitely a group of very strong architects in the Bay Area that have their pre-sort of described style that they very much like. And I think they're clients that seek out those architects because they like that style. Um, we have been more about listening to what clients want on their designs, and it's, it's maybe a passive approach to design. No, I think it actually may be more difficult. You know, it, it is difficult at times, yeah. and I think, you know, in remodels, you're dealing with, uh, with the existing architecture, style, and character that you've got to hopefully leave more enhanced than you took away from it in the end. So any project we do hopefully looks like it always belonged and it contributes to the ending, enhances the original architecture. In new homes, 
you know, you're looking at the neighborhood and what fits with the neighborhood. You know, there's a, there's a lot of mixes in in the Bay Area, the Hill, Emerald Hills area of Redwood City, for an example, where there's just an eclectic mix of architecture that there's been no overriding design group watching what's going on up there. <laughs> you know, and and so we 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 definitely want to do something that doesn't look like, oh my gosh, what happened there? Just so um, you can still fit into that, even you know, with that sort of eclectic. Uh, yeah, you can, okay. and, and um, you know, you, you uh, I, I think in some cases you'll find where homes are next door to just run down places, and okay. you know, you can only do so much in situations like that, um, other than hopefully provide an example to the neighborhood of what could happen to their place. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever reach out to a, to a homeowner that be a little, so bold as to say, you know, you've got a great home. I think it's really good. Uh, it's nice, but uh, I'm an architect, and uh, if you're ever interested you know, it's, in... It's, it's funny. I think we have found that in many of our projects, neighbors, you know, in the ones where there is a specific requirement that you review your plans with your neighbors, you have an opportunity to go and meet the neighbors and share with them what you're doing to, to uh, your client's home. At, at which a time it opens up a discussion of, well, what do you think we could do to our place? You know, and I, I encourage and welcome those discussions. Um, and there's also those clients uh, that uh, have neighbors that during the course of the construction, neighbors, you know, you're impacting people's lives. You're parking in front of their homes. You've got workers showing up. And so it, it definitely in downtown Palo Alto is an example. You've, you've got a lot of activity going on that neighbors get very sensitive towards. And so we, we always leave our sign and our phone numbers contact so that we're always available to be uh, reached and, and help resolve neighborhood conflict because there's a lot of that that goes on. Yeah, is there you know? yeah, a percentage, um, if you ever quantified a percentage of people that will actually call you and say, hey, this is uh, my concern or, hey, I'm inspired by it? You know, I probably, I would think that maybe in 15% of, 15, 20% of the projects we'll hear from the neighbors. That's pretty um, significant. It is, it yeah. is. You know, and uh, and a lot of the calls are fielded by the owners and the contractor themselves. You know, and, and uh, to, we always have our sign on the property so they can always reach somebody. Uh, you know, I think in anything like this, you've always got to have, you've got to be available. Um, okay. Yeah, and how are you available? I know you know, we all have office hours, but um, do you take the 2 a.m. call from a client if they call you for whatever reason, whether they're inspired like you are? Well, as long as you don't advertise that, Tom, yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm call- I bring that up as a, as a uh, going back to um, your, the amount of people that I've seen that are really happy with the work that you've done and probably, I'm sure continue to do. And how you do that, and uh, it sounds like some, a lot of the background and how you grew up um, had a lot to do with that. And we go on, want to touch more back to like the, your culture that you have at work. Does that's that's is you have a defined culture? You just know what it is, and everyone is it. You know, it's. Uh, I think. Um... There's a there's a warmth I notice. Yeah, they know there yeah. is definitely, and, and I we we've always been of the mind, my partner and I, that uh, that we want to you know part of the attraction to working and being self-employed has been to create your own environment, your time, your schedule, and everything else, and we want to extend that opportunity to the staff that we have in our office that they 
can also find their, you know, it's, it's flexible schedules when they, if people need off or they want to work from home or we try and accommodate that. But in terms of a working culture, I think everybody grows to understand how we, we, we treat our clients and how we treat our consultants. And uh, we try and involve the junior people in the discussions and meeting times with clients and consultants so that they, they get to experience and, and you know, it, it becomes more efficient for us too to have at least two or three people assigned to every project. So there's some, uh, you know, if one of us is out of the office, there's continuity in being able to, uh, to, to take care of clients' needs. But I think everybody in the office gets exposed to our process of uh, communication. Most of the, the job is really a matter of communication, be it with clients, consultants, city, you know, it's uh, contractors. There's a lot of, um, just a lot of face time with people is needed. Um, Wow, you can so you've got a, to be a physician sometimes, a psychotherapist, and then a communicator, and then I always see why 15% is actually designing. That's right, it's a the... very small piece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and do you convey that with, uh, with not just clients, but even to the general public? Do you do any pro bono type work or any community educational involvement um, with your practice? So we've... Um... We, I think the extent of our pro bono work would be uh, we all, the, the few key people in our office have uh, kids and they're at school. So we invariably end up offering our time to sell at auctions, you know, fundraising events for the schools where oh, nice. we auction off yeah. time okay. for a, a consult, a meeting, and then some design development. Yeah, and uh, and often in those they're they're fun exercises. You know, they for a certain price they bid on. Um, we'll come out, meet with them at their house, survey their home, draft up existing plans and elevations, and then render out three or four schemes of what they could do with their home, uh, really? following their their wishes. Yeah, that's great. And it gets the uh, it, it you know for many people. It's a multifaceted process of first realizing what they want, what they can do, how can they afford it, when can they do it, you know, what's the resale value of it with real estate agents. So it's a thoughtful process, but at least we provide a key first step towards helping people understand what their options are. You know, and I often encourage clients then to take that to a series of builders to get rough ideas of cost, take it to a few real estate agents and get rough ideas of the enhanced resale value to your home, run it by your friends, family and others to get comments on, oh no, you need to do this or that, you know, and <laughs> invariably most of our uh, design is reactionary to what people think they should be doing and I encourage, you know, it, it's always great to get the opinions of your friends and family. Um, you know, in terms of towards making a decision you're comfortable with, because you know, when what we hope is that when we've gone through the whole design process, all these decisions have been made, and that you never have to question them again. Um, That's pretty exhaustive. So you yeah. have to do a lot of front end work, thinking, planning before it even gets to them. Am I correct? Before That's it right. even gets to them to make it that seamless, right. you have to really you have to put a tremendous amount of thought, a lot of effort time into making it easier for them to express to you what they're looking for. I, I think the okay. smoothest projects are those where all as many decisions as possible are made before you strike a shovel in the ground. It's all right. Great. Andrew, it's been a pleasure having you here today. Seriously, we've, we've been honored. Well, thank you, Tom. It's been my pl pleasure, too. This is my first... Uh, 
run at radio architecture and i've enjoyed it <laughs> i'd love to have you back certainly certainly our audience will as well you've been listening to the modern architect i'm tom dioro our guest today has been andrew young architect co-founder and ceo of young and borlick architects we've been talking today about the benefits of creating productive working relationships leading to the smoothest possible building process for more information please go to www.ybarchitects.com that's www.ybarchitects.com join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect building influencer or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities communities and lives the modern architect is recorded at stanford university studios in palo alto california and is a production of kzsu radio the producer is Michael Longoria. Recording engineer is Akshay Jaggi. Assistant engineer is McGregor Joyner. And we're all assisted by Bryce Carter. The production manager is Akshay. And the executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom Diora. If you wish to contact us, our email address is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. That's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Thank you for tuning in again to another episode of The Modern Architect. Grassroots Soccer uses the power and popularity of soccer to educate, inspire, and mobilize communities worldwide to stop the spread of HIV. Using footballers as role models, GRS seeks to engage hard-to-reach young people to break stigmas, increase awareness, and turn the tide against HIV. You can help in a number of ways, from participating in charity events to contributing money. To learn more, visit grassrootsoccer.org. That's grassrootsoccer.org. Thank you. Labiba Boyd interviews world-renowned scientists, business leaders, and other people of interest on Modern Tech News, Wednesdays from 9 until 10 a.m. on KZSU. Learn about the latest advances in health, energy, high technology, stem cell research, and more. Tune in to KZSU every Wednesday morning at 9 for fascinating conversations with today's newsmakers on modern tech news. Podcasts are also available on www.moderntechnews.com. Thank you. Mm-hmm.